Hey there. Is today your first time here? Or maybe your first time in a while? If so, maybe you're wondering exactly who we are and what this church is all about. Well, we'd like you to know that we're a group of ordinary people who are on an amazing journey together following Christ. Our guide is the Bible because it's the divinely inspired Word of God and it will never take us in the wrong direction. Along the way, we hope you'll see that we are welcoming and spiritually passionate and that getting to know you is a big deal to us. We know that the road is rough sometimes, but we'll work really hard to bring you practical and relevant messages to equip and encourage you through life's ups and downs. We want you to know that we care about this community and we believe that it's our job to make it a better place. So no matter who you are or where you've been, we're glad you're here with us today. And we hope that you'll join us on our journey, following Christ and living out His plan for us. So welcome to church. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Oh my goodness, what a crazy week it's been. I gotta think what we're doing. Hold on, give me one second. Oh yeah, that's it. My name is Garen, and, and believe it or not, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. Uh, I'm one of the pastors, and welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here. Um, thank you for your understanding, um, wearing masks today in the, as you're seated. Uh, we've uh, had two or three pastors uh, call me this week in the local area that have said that they've had dozens of cases that have broken out from their church. And with the state being where it is, we thought, well, you know what? As opposed to shutting down because we have to, let's take a little more caution so that we don't have to. And so that's the goal. So I appreciate your, your patience as we try to keep everyone as safe as we can. Will you, will you stand with me? We're going to spend a little time singing about our great God, and then we're going to just have a great service today. Father, we love you. Thank you for the way that you care so deeply for us. I pray right now that as we... As we lift up your name, as we glorify your son, that, that, that Jesus, you'll be the center of the conversation for the next hour. And maybe, maybe the center of the conversation of our lives for this next week. We pray this in your name. Amen. invite the Holy Spirit here today.
sing with me. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me that all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him. had left a crimson stain he washed it white as Lord now indeed I find Lord now indeed I find thy power Thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Cause Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain.
Jesus. We love you. I pray that not only our voices, but our lives will be our praise to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you. Whoa, I hear that. Uh, Miss Vanessa, coming up, coming up. So we were talking last week, um, and I was talking about at the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart and how how important it is to have our hearts set on the things of God. And it's not enough just to know about God, but we have to have our hearts and minds set and focused on God. And Vanessa came up last week and she's like, oh, that's so amazing that you said that we were taught. I was thinking about this this past week and I want you to share a little bit of what you told me. There, there are many of you that know your story, but it's great to hear again. And then there are probably half of you that don't know your story. And I'd love for them to be able to hear how God has touched you. So go ahead. Well, we are having problems all over the place. Give us one second. Do we have another mic? Jason, can I have your mic? Nope. Oh. This is what happens. This is the way we. This is how we roll, y'all. So. <laughs> Last week, um, when Pastor Garen was talking about the heart, um, it, it had been ten years since. Um, I was so sick, and they said that I didn't have a chance to live. But when I was leaving the hospital, and I had a, right after service, I had to share this with Pastor Garen, because the one doctor that I had, he was Indian, and as I was getting my discharge papers, he said, before you leave, I need to tell you 
that the only thing that's going good for you right now is the only organ in your body that's working right now is your heart. And everything else is failing. And that was 10 years ago. And I went home, um, and I, I knew God, but I didn't have him in my heart. And I didn't think that he would ever forgive me or I could talk to him. So I did lay there and knew that they only had given me three months to live. So I just laid there to die, and I didn't talk to God. And he came and talked to me. And what he needed was my heart because he filled it. He filled it full. And um, he sent me to the people that were, were my angels and took me to the places I needed to be. And um, that's where your heart comes in. And sent me down to Betty Garrett's house <laughs> that brought me to this church and um, in a wheelchair. And, um, and she came like every week and got you, right? Just, just she was she was your way here, right? She was my way here. She was, my husband would wheel me down the driveway in a wheelchair and get in her car and she would bring me here. And she wouldn't go out with the ladies at lunch. She'd get me home and make sure I was safe every Sunday. Even the Sundays I didn't feel like going, she said, yeah, you're going. And um, it just, it took time. It took, it took about, it took almost a good part of the year of her bringing me to church from that wheelchair to the walker to the cane. And the first time I was able to walk up to this pulpit and kneel down, I couldn't get back up, but I was able to kneel down. Um, it, it was the most glorious day. And I have a lot of people to thank. My husband was home taking care of me. Um, Betty was there for me. This whole church was praying for me. And um, it, it God does wonderful things, and he did it for me, and he filled my heart. Ten years ago. Isn't Ten that amazing? Ten years ago this month. Ten years ago this month. So, so amazing. And, you know, we moved here four years ago, and I don't know anything because Vanessa's like, she's running around like the Energizer bunny, and then somebody's like, you've got to hear her story. And um, I'm thankful that we serve a God that is still in the miracle business. And we read these stories in Scripture about the way God moves on behalf of his people. And a lot of times we think, okay, well, what's a, um, a theological principle I can extrapolate from that? And sometimes I want to say, that's good, but maybe God wants to remind us that he is still in the healing business and the miracle business and doing what can't be done by anyone else or by reason or by any other way other than God. And so I'm thankful. Thank you for sharing it, your testimony. And I also want to say for the last five years, I've been taking care of sick people in their homes and sharing my story with them, giving them my story to give them hope. And um, it, it's, just, it's just been great. It's just been a wonderful thing. And I'll keep on doing that until I can't do it anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't even tell her to say that. But as we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, talking about being salt and light, that's exactly what she is being for the people that she's in contact with. So thank you, Miss Vanessa. Um, 
So, so this is the part of the service where we um, extend peace. And I got to tell you, Thursday, I was like, maybe we're going to get back to it. Maybe we're going to try. Um, and then with everything that happened with our numbers uh, for the state with COVID and with um, a potential case here, I thought, well, maybe we'll be safe and give it one more week of kind of high-fiving and peace signing across the aisle. But we believe that peace is an extremely important part of our Christian faith. It, it, all throughout Scripture, it's, we're called to love God and love others, and we're called to have this peace with God and peace with our fellow brother and sister. And so this is an important part of our worship, and I don't want it to just seem kind of a rote thing, um, but, but we do it differently because we want it to be much more than just, hey, did you see the football game, or did you see the swimming in the Olympics yesterday, or are you going to the park later on? We want it to be an intentional time where we really want to say, I hope that everything is right with you and God, and I hope that everything is right with you and me, because that's what the community is called to be in right relationship vertically and horizontally. And so maybe I'm the first one to say it to you today, probably, because um, this isn't something we say very often, but, um, but may the peace of the Lord be with you all today. Thanks. If you'll um, high five and wave and I'll even let you scream across the, the sanctuary if you want. Just say hi to people. couple of announcements. Uh, the first one is really exciting. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, wait, this is exciting, too. I was thinking of something else, though. Tomorrow, if you have a kid or a spouse that acts like a kid, uh, we are having a play date at Riverfront Park. And it's if you don't know where, where Riverfront Park is, go down Dunlawton to Ridgewood. Turn left, and it's right there. And they've got a splash pad. They've got a playground. It's right by the Halifax River. Beautiful. Mwah. I encourage you, come, bring a snack, bring a, something that you can get wet in, and come out and hang out with your kids and with other parents, and that is tomorrow from, oh, sorry, from 9 to 11. I said the wrong times already. It's right there. From 9 to 11, we hope that you'll join us. Uh, the next thing, baptisms. I'm so excited. We've had five in the past eight weeks, and we've had others that have said, I want to be baptized. It's time. And so... If that is you, I want you to see myself or Justin or Jason or Jen or Tim when he gets back from his suffering in Hawaii and Alaska. Um, and let us know because we want to schedule another baptism before it gets too cold um, in the ocean. And so let us know right away. And the third thing, I'm so excited about this. Y'all. We are going to torch some paper in the coming weeks, and so I'm excited. We, we're still nailing down a specific date because we want to invite our district superintendent and, and former pastors that have been here with us. But in a few short weeks slash months, y'all, this building is going to be paid for. Thanks be to God. 
that is not a common thing for many churches. And so I'm very thankful uh, for your faithfulness. It's your giving and faithfulness um, for the past decades that have made this possible. And we are paying it off ahead of schedule, saving us interest and that kind of stuff. But we are so excited about the way that God is moving. And so thank you for your generosity and the way that you give. And we are going to be paying this off really, really soon. We're going to have the celebration sometime before Thanksgiving. We just got to figure out the date. So there you go. Is that it for me? Yes. Perfect intro into our next part of the service where we get to continue in our worship, in our tithes and offering. Uh, And, you know, I'm reminded of a time when I was sitting at work and one of my buddies were like, you know, I don't go to church. All they do is ask for money and all they do is want money. I'm like, so then you don't go to Walmart or like Target or like you don't shop on Amazon, right? That's all they want, right? Uh, There's a difference with us, right? It's first of all, that's the last thing that we would uh, ask for you is for your money. We look at this time of the service as an opportunity for us to give back to God. God has truly blessed us with his presence with his son and with everything that we possibly have. And so, you know, although if I care for one of you guys, because you've done something nice for me, I could just go and give you a hug and give you a high five. I could, I could go to you and, you know, and just, and say, Hey, here's a present around Christmas time, whatever the case is. But you know, I can't just be like, Hey God, here's a gift, open it. And then, you know, and then he opens it. Right. But this is an opportunity that he has given us and said, Hey, look, here's a time where you can get back to me. And so we want to encourage you as a church, give cheerfully. You know, give cheerfully. The Bible says, you know, God it loves a cheerful giver. Uh, you know, almost to the point, if, if you're somebody that might be given and you're, oh, I don't know, you know, you're, you're better off probably not giving. You know, talk with God and say, hey, Lord, what is it that you would like me to give? What is it that you'd have for me? Why is it that it might be so hard or whatever the case is? And so this is an opportunity, and that's why I always say every single time I come up here, we get to continue in worship, because this is, this is an act of worship. Uh, God has given us so much, and so it's just this one time that we're able to give back to him. And so let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the countless testimonies uh, that I personally have, but then also I know would flood this room uh, if we pass this microphone around of your faithfulness and how you've taken care of us. Lord, we're here. We're, we're here with you. Lord, we're not going hungry, you know. And, and Lord, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for being able to serve you who is the God of the trees and the flowers, the beautiful flowers and the birds in the sky, Lord, uh, and the fish in the sea where all the, they don't have to worry about, you know, taking care of themselves because you take care of all those things. And in your word it says how much more are we worth than those animals to you. And so, Father, we thank you for putting this price on us, Lord, that would be unmeasured, that you would care for us to send your Son to die for us. Lord, I pray during this time that we would give cheerfully, Lord, wonderfully. Lord, that you would bless this time, bless the giver. Lord, bless the offering, Lord. Multiply it. Father, make it do more than what we would ever think or imagine. Lord, to be, to be able to see uh, the mortgage burning here in a few weeks, months, Lord, is just a testimony of how good and how faithful you are to us. So, Father, we love you, and we just ask that you continue to be the light in our lives that we desperately need. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You guys are going to seek.
about four different ways here that you're able to give online, as well as if you are here in the building with us, we have some drop boxes on the way out in the foyer that you're able to give in. Thank you, guys. love the way Jesus did. Passionately, faithfully, powerfully. What if the way we love could make a difference in the world around us? What if that love looked at everyone the way God does? A love which doesn't see the past, but is consumed by a desire to see people come to know Jesus. A love which is patient and kind not envious or prideful. A love which puts others before ourselves, chooses peace over anger. A love which protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Do we love like this? Do we love like Jesus? Maybe it's time to ask a simple question. We love better. So, if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, um, well, since Easter, we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been talking about, if you'll recall, the mission of Jesus is repent. Turn around. It's in it's in Matthew four seventeen. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus, we talked about how Jesus gathered these people, and you have some um, disciples, but more than not, it's the discarded, the left out, the people that are rejected and unseen and unloved. And Jesus says, "You're blessed." You're included in the blessing. It's not just for the elite or the spiritually strong. It's for all people. You're blessed when you're poor in spirit. You're blessed when you mourn. You're blessed when you see um, injustices. You're blessed and when you hunger and thirst for righteousness and for God to come and set things right. You're blessed when you're meek. You're blessed when you're pure in your heart and in your mind. And you're blessed... When you're persecuted even. And, and we talked about these blessings and how at the end of it, if you look at all nine of these blessings, the image that you see is this picture of Jesus who was all of these blessings and extended all of these blessings. And then we talked about what it was like um, to be salt and to be light in this world and how important it is to share our story. And what Jesus is saying is you have the answer. Are you going to share it? And then we, um, we talked about um, 
the, the next section about what it means to be complete in Christ, how, how Jesus didn't come to abolish the law but fulfill it. And we talked about last week about this righteousness that's talked about. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. And we talked about how the word righteousness for you talks about to feel, act, and think in a pure and right way, in a way that aligns with God, versus the other word that's used in the Greek, um, to the scribes and Pharisees, it talks about their rightness, as in somebody who is adequately and correctly writing down and copying. So we talked about how it had to go from mind to heart, and the heart was really what's important. And this next series we're going to be going through is, I'm, I'm excited about, it's, it's going to be coming up, and we're going to be talking about these six statements of Jesus. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. And these anti theses of Jesus. But before we get there, I want us to take today, and today's going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be me preaching. Please don't clap. Okay. You always hold your breath when something like that happens. (laughs) I, I want us to look one more time at verse 20. And then I'm going to have Pastor Jason come up, and and we're going to spend a little bit of time talking. So I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we have this paradox between these people who were in the church, but they weren't in Christ. And remember, we talked about how People in the church are always looking about, looking for who's right, who's wrong, who's in, who's out. Where, where's your sin, and how does it compare to my sin? And if I'm better than you, and if I can complete and fulfill the laws better than you, then I'm okay. That's what it's like to be in the church. But for those of us that are in Christ, it's about we can all be in. We don't have to have this us versus them mentality. It's about all of us. Christ came to seek and save the lost, which is every one of us. But the problem is there are, um, there are issues with our church, and our church I mean globally and not just Nazarene, where it feels like in the past we've gotten kind of stuck in this well, if we can just get them into the building, the pastor will get them saved. But we understand that there are a lot of people that will never step foot in the building, and they still need Jesus. And so, Jason, come on up. Um, the reason um, Jason and I connect so well is because we have this deep passion for, for people who will never step foot in the church. At least right now they would say that. Yeah, I don't want to be here half the time. Yeah, I don't either. So, so I'm just kidding. I, I love y'all. Um, but, but there are these people that they need to be reached in a different way, in a way that doesn't fit the mold of the church and how it's been done for the past however many years. And so this is Jason. He's been up here a few times, but he's still new a month into it into being here, and I thought, you know, we, we played a video, kind of um, a Zoom call that we had, and we played about five minutes of it a few months ago, but I wanted to give Jason a little bit of time to, to share his story, to talk about some of his passions, and some ways that he's going to be challenging you, so I'm going to let him talk, and 
I'm going to interrupt him if I have a question that I want him to explore while he's talking. Is that okay? Please say yes. Good. All right. Jason, take it away. All right. Well, what do you want to know first, boss? Well, I know your story, but why don't you tell yeah. them a little bit of... So, I uh, I grew up very Nazarene. If Nazarene is new to you, uh, it, it really is kind of weird, uh, it, you know? But it is, uh, it's just where you grow up. And for me, it was very normal. And as I learned, oh, I'm, as I tried to explain it to people, well, I'm, we're, we're like Methodist, uh, we're Protestant, as I figure out. And I started to realize that it doesn't really make that much difference because it can become a very divisive thing as we're all kingdom-minded people. We're all Jesus-minded people. I realized, first of all, but I grew up very Nazarene. Any of you know of the Brazil Award, caravans, all that kind of stuff? If you don't, uh, bless you because you didn't get caught up in the stuff. But it's good. It's a lot of learning. You know, just That's to prove my super Nazarene credentials, though. But uh, I, I grew up um, in Southern California. Uh, moved to Oklahoma when I was 12, very different uh, cultures. And I think that helped me prepare me for something later on down the road. Um, grew up uh, in, a, in a Ford Pinto. You guys remember those? They were solid. Tim, you ever sell those things? Good. Good. Yeah, but, uh, we moved they're great until you get rear-ended, yeah. right? Moved to Oklahoma. My dad started a business. And uh, that business went very, very well. Where we went from driving a Pinto... I was the, uh, I was talking to Drew the other day, and he kind of made fun of me. He's like, oh, you're that guy. But uh, I went from, uh, we drove on pieces of junk where I was a high schooler, um, getting to cruise around in the the first Dodge Viper in Oklahoma, uh, hot rods, driving turbocharged, supercharged cars, really, you know, 700 horsepower stuff as a high schooler. And uh, you feel bad for me? Yeah, it's it's a terrible life. No, no. I basically had... Everything I wanted in life, straight A's, sweet cars, uh, started on all the sports teams. Uh, honey, don't listen to this part. The girlfriends I wanted, as a result, you have all those things, you know. Uh, don't worry, I was a good guy, Mandy. But uh, what happens is, is you have everything you want as a young person, and you're like, well, where does it go from here? So it got to a point where I was still going to church. Grew up in church, uh, kind of had a relationship with Jesus as much as I knew. And then as uh, later on in my teenage years, began to just say, what is the point of all of this? I have everything and I am bored to death. What is the point in tomorrow if you've already reached what you aspire for? But most, I think, kids are aspiring for, even adults aspiring for today i had lined up before me and had been on both ends of it and now was on the good end uh, monetarily I'm like wow there's no point to this so i literally would say god uh if i don't wake up tomorrow whatever that's fine with me it will be one less day of boredom right i won't have to live a life of boredom from here on out well to make things even even better my my goal was to play baseball. I don't know if I would have made it to the pros, but I was talking to scouts, you know, NCAA, D1 baseball. That was kind of my what I wanted to do. Well, I ended up blowing my knee out. And what happens when you don't walk well? You don't play baseball. So everything was gone that I really had desired for in life. 
So, went on. I went to college. I was a meteorology major living in Oklahoma. I love severe storms. I love tornadoes. Welcome to Florida. I, I, we have them. I got to tell you, I did go down to Beachside the other day hoping to catch some water spouts off the beach. Disappointed. Kids were a little weirded out. But uh, anyway, um, it, that was the path I was going down. And I was still going to church with my family. And it was my freshman year of college. And a one-week trip to Ghana came up. And I thought, oh, this would be cool. See some monkeys and some pygmies or whatever else you're going to see in Africa. I didn't know. I was a, just some kid living in Oklahoma. Got there, and I sweat more that week than I ever sweat in my life. Kind of like this last week here. Uh, you guys uh, were outside probably sweating. And, uh, but I had the time of my life as I was working alongside people that spoke a different language. And it was just something different happening. I hadn't quite figured it out yet. Came back home after a week. Things are running around in your head as a college freshman. And I had been working super hard to play ball again. And I made a team. And so I was traveling around the Midwest. And we played 70 games in two months. Uh, a lot of the guys I played with ended up going to play pro ball. And I remember being in the hotel room one night. And God said, hey, remember when you felt a little spark of something in your life that made sense? God was saying, remember that... That one week trip when you had nothing, you were hot, sweaty, working with people who had less than you'd ever seen in your life, and you felt peace, and you felt purpose. I was like, yeah, God, I do. I, I know what you're talking about. So in, in that hotel room that night, I realized that God was saying to me, the only time you will ever find real, true, lasting purpose is if you are serving others in my name. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to mess everything up. Um, so came back home, got up the courage eventually to talk to my parents about it. And uh, said, you know, I think I'm being called to, to ministry, whatever that looks like. So I changed my major and uh, said, hey, I've got nothing to lose. I'm already feeling like I'm at the bottom. Even though I had everything in life, I feel like I'm at the bottom. So went down that road, said, God... Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. There's got to be something out there worthwhile. And I uh, really enjoyed my, my one week, my one whole week of cross-cultural stuff. And I thought, maybe that's a road I'll explore. So I uh, started studying theology. And whenever I had the chance, I would do something in another country for a while. And so um, the next summer, I had a chance. It was 95. I had a chance to spend the whole summer in South Africa. So I was a long, blonde-haired kid. It was about like Drew's, except blonde. And uh, I was over in South Africa. Apartheid had just kind of been dissolved. Mandela had just become president. And it was the greatest eye-opening experience of my life as a 19-year-old spending a summer sharing with people, learning. And God really solidified, hey, I want you on this path. Continue. Came back to school, did another year at university. I went to Southern Nazarene in Oklahoma. And um, professor said, hey, I'd like you to, to help with a new program we're starting. So I moved to Italy for a year, to Sicily. Uh, anybody, anybody in here been to Italy? Is there any better food on earth? Except I had no money while I was there. 
lived directly above a bakery and pizzeria and had to just smell it all day, every day. And it was the best year of my entire life. And um, although I had done horribly at Spanish in school, and the only D I ever got in college was in Biblical Greek, somehow when I was in the midst of people and I needed to know a language to, to communicate, I, I like to hang out with people. Uh, I've bothered some of you over the last few weeks hanging out. I dropped in on Doug and wasted half of his day the other day. Uh, God said, hey, I want you to speak Italian. So within six months, was able to lead Bible studies and, and make friends in the community. And um, through all of this, the thing that really drove me were the verses in Romans that say, how can they know if there's not someone to tell them? You know, how can someone preach about it if they haven't been sent? Basically saying, Jason, your life has been changed because of me. This is what Jesus was saying to me. Your life has been changed because of my involvement in your life. You gave it to me, and now I'm enriching it more than ever. How in the world are all these other people who are just looking for anything, how are they going to find that if you all aren't sharing those good words? And that was that's still a real motivator today, uh, 20-something years later, as, uh, as we go down that road. So I don't know if you want to interrupt so, me. Or so, you, um, so you came back from Italy, and mm-hmm. you ended up eventually doing um, a program. I think it was Nazarenes and Voluntary Service, right, NIVS, so um, which is no longer officially that. But you went to... Uh, uh, I went to the seminary for a bit. Uh, I am officially a seminary dropout. So you all can do it too. Uh, that's where I met Jen, and through Jen, Garen, um, and I had another professor say, "Hey, we have an opportunity to go to the country of Croatia." I, I basically, I think he was saying, uh, "We know that you'll do a lot of dumb stuff. Uh, do you want to go just uh, without much guidance, go hang out in the country for six months?" And it, it, he knew my one thing: I was passionate about just meeting people. I would talk to anyone, anywhere. Uh, my wife is still kind of miffed because I still live like that today. I'll talk to anyone anywhere. And, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take a semester off a of seminary and go to Croatia. It was 99. Uh, the war in Yugoslavia was over. I really knew nothing about what I was getting into. Got there and just started to, to meet people, go to cafes, hang out, do what you can. Just You're on the bus, on the tram, just, hey. I'm a weirdo. I'm going to talk to you, you know, and just go from there. But my sincere prayer was, God, give me a way to meet people, to really meet people and to spend time with them. Really, I want to get to know people on more than just a surface level. Uh, Within three weeks of getting there, I was hired on as a coach in the Croatian Women's Softball Association. So their national league. I just happened to have been hired on at Southern Nazarene to be an associate coach there because I had a a background in baseball and learned way more than I ever should have in that year. And I didn't realize that God was doing something back then to prepare me for this time in Croatia. Well, in this coaching, I I got to meet guys from the the National Baseball League. And so my one real love in life that I thought I had lost forever and, and given up uh, before you knew it, I was playing baseball for the country of Croatia, traveling around Europe, playing ball. My bosses um, 
in, who were based in, in Switzerland. They thought I was just playing around all the time. And I really just had to say, yeah, you're right. I am absolutely having the time of my life playing baseball, doing all kinds of stuff, drinking coffee, going to people's weekend houses at the coast. You know, there's over 1,100 islands in Croatia, and they invite, hey, come hang out at our, our island home for the weekend. I was like, okay. And through this, God was able to just use those, those simple times of just hanging out, doing things that I loved to start churches. And so uh, six months in Croatia um, eventually turned into six years. And I became fluent in Serbo-Croatian and uh, went back there as much as I could. Mandy and I went back for our honeymoon. And it was a little weird as the first week we, we spent in part of Italy alone. And, you know, newlyweds. And I was like, well, Mandy, I uh, hope this doesn't bother you, but this is kind of who I am. The last two weeks of our honeymoon, we actually just hung out with all my friends, right? So it, it was good and enriching and, and relational. And um, well, So two things that I think of right now is how um, when you said yes to Jesus, it didn't mean that God was taking away everything you cared about. It's that God used your passions to further the kingdom. And the other thing that comes to mind is you talked about how you were not good at foreign languages. And yet, when you answered the call and said yes to God, all of a sudden, suddenly, God equipped you in a way that you could not have done on your own, it, it appears. There were times when I had to give up things I really liked. I, I grew up uh, drag racing. Um, I have a lot of friends right now who drag race on a, on a show on the Discovery Channel. We raced together a lot, and that was a possible path to go down. And I felt God was saying, hey, I want you to step away from that. And I missed it. I missed it immensely uh, for years as I was overseas. And, and so sometimes you do give up the things that you love, but sometimes you get them back. Um, just like baseball, as I, I stopped pursuing that and got it back in a way that was better than I ever could have imagined. After several years in Croatia, I happened to see these posters. Uh, are you all uh, familiar with the Fast and Furious movie series. Well, I saw a cheap communist knockoff poster of that on one of the store windows, and I thought, oh, this is great. It's gonna, that's the land of the Yugo. So I'm like, oh, great, it's going to be Yugo. It's an old, uh, old diesel Mercedes going down in the track. Well, I, my boss was coming to town, and I said, hey, his name is Daniel. I was like, hey, dress casual. Well, being a good Nazarene boss, he came with a button-up slacks and, and penny loafers and his laptop bag. And uh, we loaded up, headed out to this town where the event was going. And this is the middle of nowhere. It was held in an old Yugoslav airstrip where they used to fly MiGs out of. Well, um, it was abandoned then. And uh, we get towards the town, and there was traffic like I've never seen. Finally get to the event, and there were 20,000 people there to watch this post-communist version of the Fast and the Furious. Get there, and I'm like... Thank you, Jesus. This is everything I've been missing in life. Uh, one thing leads to another. Uh, I end up contacting the directors of it. They did not want to talk to me. They thought I was some American capitalist coming in to steal their idea and make a bunch of money off their idea. And once they realized I, I knew the business and I didn't have any money to, to take theirs away, sometimes it takes that, uh, I became their main technical advisor. And so through... Running a, a drag racing league in, South, in the Balkan Peninsula, and through playing baseball, traveling around, churches were started. 
a huge lesson came to me through all this is that God takes the things that you love, takes your talents, takes the things that maybe you've been told in your life, hey, now that you're Christian, you can't have fun anymore. I started to realize God actually likes for us to enjoy our time on earth. What a novel idea for many Christians, you know? And can use those things and turn them into real strengths to reach those who who just need to know Him. So, let's let's fast forward. Am I off again? Oh, So let's fast forward to, let's talk a little bit about Haiti. That's the last thing we're going to talk about um, because that is a current passion of yours and um, you have strong connections there and this is where I'm, I'm praying that down the road our church will be um, connected more closely to Haiti um, through um, what will be eventually a nonprofit mm-hmm. that, that you're running. But to talk a little bit about right. Haiti and so fast forward a few years. Uh, a good friend of mine ran uh, mission trips for the Church of the Nazarene through the Caribbean, and uh, I was I was teaching at that point, and I had the summer off. And he said, "Hey, come down to Haiti with me for a couple weeks." I was in my in my 30s, single. I was like, yeah, let's go. You know, and uh, get down to Haiti. And I was like, you tricked me. You knew what you were doing. Because I knew that I was supposed to sell everything and move to Haiti almost on day one. Because he had showed me, he's like, hey, I, uh, my wife and I have started this water project. And he showed me just how, just the horrible, the, uh, the water situation in Haiti is. And so, um, Came back to the States, got things in order, sold my house. A few, week, or a few months later, moved to Haiti, and I ran something called the Haiti Water Project. And um, had the time of my life. Uh, actually ended up meeting my wife there. So uh, she came down on a one-week trip from Saginaw, Michigan. Any of you ever heard of it or been there? I call it Saganistan, but it's a, it's a cold and wonderful place. Um, see the sun once in a while. Moved from Haiti there after after we got married, and um, kept up that relationship with Haiti, as it is the poorest place I'd ever been. Um, it's the third poorest nation on earth, I think. Definitely poorest in the Western Hemisphere. And my Haitian friends and I stayed in in contact. I would visit them; they would visit me. And a couple years ago, one of them said, "Hey, we have to do something different." As uh, as many of you know. Just denominations, Christian organizations around the world, they are not doing well financially. And so we, from this side, who used to fund almost everything in these other countries, we're barely bringing in enough to help ourselves, so we don't pass it on down the line much anymore. But the money's still there. We're just finding new ways to do it. So we are, part of the reason moving here is um, we're starting a new organization to work directly with Haiti, bypass a lot of the middlemen of, of thing, money and goods going from here to there. And Florida is a really nice, easy jump from, from here to Haiti. And uh, I actually met with some of the Haitian leadership on Monday as they flew up, up here to Florida to meet since it is not safe for me to go down there right now. So, so Jason has, been, has joined the team basically to help us in a couple of ways. One, um, we want to be planting churches here, and we understand that 
Um, multiplication is in our DNA as a denomination, and, and it's what we're called to. And Jason has experience with that. But speaking to those people that will never go to church, um, we're also talking through um, what, uh, in the Methodist church, they'd call it fresh expressions. But it's, it's these ways to reach people who will never step foot in church. And so we've spent a lot of time driving around the community just trying to figure out, one, what's the need? We, we want to be able to meet a need and, and, or, or to find a, an affinity that we can rally around. Um, and then, two, we've just been praying, God, what, what are you doing? We don't need to create something to impress you. God, we'd much rather find out where are you already moving and blessing, and we want to just partner in that endeavor because wherever you are, God, that's where life is blessed. And so um, it may look very differently, and I'm, I'm telling you we've talked about it as a church board, but I want you all to know it may look like um, you know, Bible studies at dog parks, or it may look like um, you know, baking cakes on Saturdays at, at someone's house, and we just start inviting people that don't know Jesus and may never come to church, um, and we just love on them. And this isn't a bait and switch. It's not we're inviting them just, you know, so that we can hit them over the head with the Bible. It's we truly want to love them because we understand that we're not called to pour salt on them and we're not called to shine light on them. We're called to be salt and be light. And as we are walking in the light and as we are being salt, it will naturally make people thirsty or make people want to know more about the source of the light. And so we are going to be starting new ways of just connecting with people. And some of them may lead to ministries. Some of them may lead to church plants. Some of them may not lead to anything other than us connecting better with people that we love. And that's okay. That's okay. And so Jason is going to be helping us start all these crazy things, hopefully. But Jason is not we didn't call Jason here to run all these things. We called Jason here to help us understand what, what do we already have within us, you know? Uh, you know, what do you have that you're passionate about, and how can we leverage what you already love and what you're already doing for a greater purpose? And so Jason's creativity is where he's really going to lead the way in helping us in, in that endeavor Anything else you want to add on that? It's it's really tough because, uh, and this will be something that maybe some of us never get over, but the point is not to get them in this building. If we get them to step foot in this building and then we breathe a sigh of relief, we failed. We, we've, um, I, and some of you may not like this, I don't give a rip if someone ever shows up here. I want people to be in relationship with Jesus because that's what he desires. It is good when we come together. Some great things have happened in these buildings. But some horrible things have happened in these buildings too. And we can't base the word church on the place that we come to on Sunday mornings. If you look at the history of the word church, it is about us. We are the church. Wherever we are, 
there is a place of worship. Wherever we are, there is a place of ministry. Um, what, what is the temple? I think your body is a temple, I see at some points. The way you treat it. The way that you worship God with your body. Your place of work. Man, there is no better place to worship God through what you do. Now, you don't, we often confuse worship with music. Worship is how you serve God, serve others. You worship Him with your life. Uh, whether you were playing disc golf, we got a disc golfer back here. That is a wonderful place of worship and ministry and, and fun and enjoyment. Um, you're riding bikes, you're painting, you're scaring people in airplanes. Whatever you're doing, there is worship, there is ministry. One of the, uh, sorry if I get off too, too much off course, I might have another hour of sermon left yeah, in me. Yeah, no, let's look but uh, I think there's one big point. I think that if there is one major, major fault that the organized church has made in the last decades, maybe centuries, is the division between guys who like us who have the, the, the word reverend in front of the name, have gone through a process, and then we would say the others. Clergy and laity. You ever notice that divide? The clergy, well, you're a, you're a pastor. You could do this. We all were called to the same exact thing. All of us. All of us who claim Jesus, we were all called to the same thing. And at some point, some guys like us made up rules. Well, we're in this position. You don't quite have the education to do these things that we do. Well, there, is a, there are other things I could say about that. But, but that is made up. That is made up. There is a priesthood of believers. The day that you said, Jesus, come and cleanse me. For, forgive me. I want to follow you. You were called into the greatest journey ever imagined. And that journey is following him and gathering others to follow some of you are going to be better at, at teaching, maybe preaching, maybe shepherding. But some of you are, are, are apostles. You're entrepreneurs in the name of Jesus. You're evangelists. Uh, yeah. Justin, he, he, he talks to everybody, I'm sure. When he has good news, he can't help but share it. But sit down with a bunch of little kids for three hours and teach them? I don't know how you haven't seen you, but if you're like me, uh, probably not a strong spot as much. As, as going out meeting new people. We all have our different strengths. And this is where the body and all our different talents, desires, loves, likes, abilities, they come into play to make one really strong body where we all are ministering in the world outside of these walls. So the prayer is over the next uh, few weeks and months that you will start to shift from Okay, God, do you want me to invite someone to church? Which isn't bad. But I would much rather you be thinking, All right, God, what's the need in front of me? Who is in need in front of me? How can I leverage my passions and our connection to help them take one step closer to you? Because that's what we're called to do. It's not about getting more people in the building. It's 
about having more people in the kingdom. And so we want to um, encourage you as, as you walk, as you paint, as you teach, as you sell things, as you connect with people, as you walk around your neighborhood, ask God, where is the need and how can I be part of the solution? That's, that's what we're asking you to be praying about. It's moving us from just being people in the church to people being more in Christ. And that is when we will start to move it from mind to heart. And so that's, that's my prayer. That's why Jason is here. He could talk a lot longer. Trust me. Um, but he, he has some great stories. And I encourage you, take this dude out to coffee or, or buy him lunch. and just I'll even buy you lunch. What are you talking about? He'll even buy you. There you go. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, but connect with Jason. Um, I, I'm amazed when, when we go out, the two of us will go out and we'll meet people. I'm amazed at how quickly Jason can pick up on things in people's lives and start to help them connect dots um, in ministry. And so um, it's a beautiful thing. We are so fortunate to have uh, Jason here. Um, I want to say that it is an, an answer to prayer to be here with you all. Uh, I was a, I don't know what word you want to use, I was a senior pastor, a lead pastor. I was in Garen's place, but in St. Louis, Missouri. Wonderful church, wonderful people, great neighborhood, great schools, great salary, everything. And God said, I want you to do the dumbest thing you've ever done, and I want you to leave this because I want to call you to something new, but with more potential than anything you've ever known in your life. And so, uh, I, thankfully, my wife heard the call, too. And as we would, here's the crazy thing. Sometimes they say, don't test God. Man, I tested God way more than I ever ought to. And say, God, prove it. And he literally would give us two signs. And I'd be like, eh, that was a fluke, God. And he would do it again. And eventually you're like, man, I need to get my head on straight. He's really speaking to me. And it was to both of us. As God calls you to do things that don't make sense in the eyes of the world, as God calls you to do things that aren't financially advantageous for your family, but that you know they're in his service, go as fast as you can towards that. Because he will take care of you. We're still figuring this out. Uh, I'm not worried. He has promised us that he's going to take care of us as we follow him. Um, I was listening to, sorry, I'm going to keep going here for just a second. I was listening to an interview from a North Korean escapee last night. She was sold by human traffickers to some Chinese. And long story short, she's here in the States now. And she said, I am glad that that human trafficker took me and sold me because I wouldn't be alive right now if that didn't happen. So the craziest things will happen to you in your life that seem horrible. God will take the worst things imaginable and use, him, use those for your benefit, for his glory. Just keep your eyes on him and do not be afraid at all the what seems like horrible stuff that happens along the way. 
because he's going to make it the greatest adventure possible. Um, let's pray, and then and then we're going to uh, take communion. Um, we're going to celebrate at the table. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the unknown potential. God, I know that you have called us to be a people um, that are focused and heading toward your kingdom. You've called us to be um, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar and chosen people. And God, that's more than just the pastors. We are all called to participate in bringing your kingdom here on earth, in our corner of the world. And we each have, have a place where that's supposed to happen. So God, I pray that you will help us. God, I pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds. I pray that as we, as we see hurts and needs in front of us, I pray that our hearts will break for the things that break your heart. And when they do, I pray that you will give us answers and solutions on how we can help with the situation. Thank you for a church. God, I, I, I know that we are the type of church that wants this to happen. And I'm well aware that there are many churches that aren't at this place yet. Thank you for this wonderful congregation, for this group of people that want to be Jesus in our community. And I pray that you will help us, give us courage, give us strength. We love you. This is a reasonable act of service to the one who gave his life for us. And so we give joyfully our lives, our passions, and everything to you. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Jason, stay here. You're going to help me with communion. If you don't have your elements, you can grab them back there. I'm going to try not to touch this too much so that we can stay halfway clean. We come every week to the table to, some people call it communion, some people call it the table, some people call it the Eucharist, um, but we don't do it flippantly. You can do something regularly and keep it um, sacred. And so we come to the table every week understanding the significance of someone who was completely obedient to the Father, of someone who modeled these beatitudes, these blessings, of somebody who modeled the way to fulfill the law and the prophets. And it was through complete obedience to the Father, trusting God and the plan that God had for his life. So he came to the table. It was during Passover. And he held up the bread at one point. And I can imagine he began to rip it in half. And he said, this bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. Take, eat, and be thankful. And then at the right time, he held up the cup.
And every time I lift it up and I see this dark purpley red, I wonder what, what went through his mind as it looks so much like the blood that he would soon shed. And yet even then, he lifted up the cup. And he told his disciples, who I'm sure, since Jesus was already going off script, I'm sure they were kind of like, what's he going to do with this? And he said, this blood represents the new covenant. This blood, this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink, and be thankful. Thank you, Lord, for... for such an incredible sacrifice for your obedience to death even death on a cross and in gratitude we lift you up and we elevate you and we place your name above every other name I pray that this week as we leave this place and go on to our workplace and our family lives and whatever else is happening, I pray that you will help us to remember that we are not leaving holy space and heading into secular space, but in reality, we are leaving holy space and heading into holy space, and we are heading into our mission field. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? We've gone a little long. Jason told me to err on the long side, and I didn't listen to him, but I'm glad that you are here. Uh, would you stand with me? And, and we're going to sing our benediction. For those of you that are visiting with us, this is what we do. We sing our benediction, and these words have resonated with our hearts for a while now. Would you sing with me? We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name, we shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. We'll see you next Sunday.